My people, my people, my people, hello, hello, Caminiti and Cassie and Alex and Amy and Caminiti, Steve Bonnet, Christy, how are ya? Shelby, great to see you. Adam Klinger, no way. God, Adam Klinger and the, the Indy Nathan, too, and a Chris Wheeler, Jamie Carr. This is phenomenal. Uh, hey, I should like get some co-host Wheeler action going on here. And he's got yet another new avatar, the Chris Wheeler. How you doing, brother? Oh, Marshall, if I had a tail, I'd be wagging it, buddy. Well, that's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. How are you? Doing okay. Doing okay. Um, take the show for just a minute. I'm going to get my AirPod situation figured out. Copy that. Well, for those of you who don't know, today was a great day in the Corn Coast. It didn't rain, which meant I got to play golf. But because it didn't rain, that means it was stupid hot. And, uh, yeah, now I'm just exhausted and tired as if Mid-Ohio wasn't enough. Um, although... I will admit it was great seeing a ton of you at Mid Ohio. It um, the weather actually came out to be okay, although I know that there were some uh, people that got wet maybe after the race on their way out or packing up and things like that. I know we sure hit a lot of a lot of rain on the way back to Indianapolis, but uh, couldn't ask for much better weather in the race. The only thing I could have asked more of would have been that the bleachers. Drivers left at turn four had some sort of coating on them and weren't just like bare aluminum because I kept having to move every time the sun would pop out, move my backpack and jacket around the bleachers around me so that I could get um, the glare out of my eyes because I couldn't see. Um, but on that note, Marshall, I'm going to I'm going to give credit where it's due. I give Green Savory a lot of shit um, for various things. Cheapest promoter, cheapest promoting group but I'm, I know. I'm, I'm going to give them credit. Um, the upgrades and updates done at Mid-Ohio were fantastic. Tell us about them. I mean, the new pavement in the paddock area, for one. Um, the updated, uh, those bleachers I was talking about, they took down the two old wooden bleachers and made one new larger um, aluminum facility which was nice wow um cleaned the tunnel replaced the lights re-ran the wiring um you know there was just there was a lot of small things like that 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 go a long way um you know that i saw some comments um in the pruday chat and on social media with people complimenting some of the, the track workers and the staff for helping people and it, when they needed it um yeah no it was awesome and so you know, look, you're never going to get it right, right? I don't care if you're a promoter. I don't care if you're a race control. I don't care if you're the broadcaster. Um, you're never going to make everybody happy, and I get it, right? I'm just critical because I like to be. But, um, no, hats off to Green Savory. They did a, they did a good job. Um, you know, St. Pete was nice this year. Mid-Ohio was nice. We'll be in Toronto very soon. We'll check that out. And then the big one left is going to be question mark. It'll be Portland. Well, I do enjoy our folks, and genuinely, 
uh, appreciate the folks at Green Savory. But yes, uh, traditionally, if there's a way for them to save money, like it's just absolutely uh, what they do. And so great to uh, hear about all of the updates there. A much needed thing, obviously, IMSA specifically chose to stop going there because there was just an abundance of negative feedback from their 27,000 automotive manufacturer partners and such that compared to everywhere else they go, and keep in mind, some of those places are pretty spare, pretty sparse, right? Lime Rock, VIR, uh, don't necessarily have big old corporate hospitality areas and Mossport right? this yeah, weekend. Yeah, Mossport for sure. Um, they go to a number of places where you realize, yeah, this is still old school. And 90% about the racing, very few modern creature comforts that we have come to enjoy at other places. And among all that, they said, uh, Mid-Ohio is just a little bit too outdated for us. And our manufacturers are telling us that. And so we're not going to go there anymore, at least for now. So glad to hear that some of the uh, the needed things to hopefully attract more manufacturer, corporate-driven series um, might be changing some impressions there at Mid-Ohio. You know, on top of it, I think they did some repave sections on the track. And um, I know they added at least one or two more kind of like uh, commercial locations, right? Covered uh, seats on the hill, um, high about the kink. And I think some others, but also I, I'm pretty sure that the garages even got painted. Well, that's phenomenal. And so, yeah, no, it, it was good. Good weekend. Obviously, I can't I can't move on anymore about Mid Ohio without saying this Alex Plo guy might might turn into something in his career. Hats off to the ten team. They uh, did it again, man. Like, and I'll honestly like I usually don't go back and say you know like. If this, then that, or whatever. But, like, if VK doesn't do what VK does at Indy, there's a very good probability that Alex Pillow and the 10 team are five in a row right now. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just saying it. Not because not because he's a teammate, but I'm saying it because that was my 20th Indy 500 I've worked. And I can tell you that it has been very rare that I've seen somebody that good on that day. Well, speaking and, of that good on – Every day, uh, we have a guy, Kyle Sagan, a man who changes one of them tires on that number 10 Chip Ganassi racing Honda that is doing a heck of a bunch of winning. And uh, I just invited him to join us in the old, uh, hopefully Kyle Sagan will enter the chat. Um, he sent me a great, now, great photo. Now, but I'm also, because, because I'm nice, Caitlin, I know you're listening. Not trying to take away from your one at the Indy 500, but just saying, I saw you in the group. Well, there you go. Uh, hey there, Kyle Sagan. Thanks for sending that uh, playgirl pose of yourself on the podium at uh, Mid-Ohio yesterday. That was all kind of awesome. Um, how you doing there? I, I am pretty stinking Floating on cloud nine, my friend. That was uh, an amazing weekend again for that driver and that crew. 
Unbelievable. You know, the, the, of the many things that make me happy about this great streak of late, uh, one of them centers on you and the conversations you and I have had over the last couple of years where you know, you've, uh, you've said, I don't want to speak too far out of, too far out of turn, but you know, we, we, we've had a lot of private conversations spoken about life, the universe and everything. And, you know, more than once, um, you said, I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. It, this, this is with teams that maybe aren't as good as this number 10 car that you're currently on, but you had that scenario like I had and others have had. And Chris, I know you've been there before where, you have a year or two down, year or two or three in this sport that is so fueled by passion. It's not a nine to five. It's not just to show up and get the paycheck and go home. You really do have to be fueled by passion to invest this much time and energy. You've been at that place um, where you're questioning if it was worth it and if it was time to just do something completely different and leave racing behind. And so it has just been fun seeing you with that big old smile and the rest of the crew on the 10 car. But knowing for you, uh, I'm so glad you, you've chosen to come back and uh, invest yourself in this. And you are being duly rewarded, my friend. Well, I, I really appreciate the kind words. You know, I, I spent 20 years, you know, chasing that kind of success that a lot of people never get to see. And in my 20 years, I saw some success, but nothing like that. So I decided to, you know, like you said, move out of the full-time thing and do a fly-in program. And, you know, I've been very fortunate to have that opportunity to even do that. But, uh, you know, this business, like you said, it gets tough. You know, it takes a lot out of people, and especially those of us that have families, you know, the ones that continue to get to, get to do it, like myself, you know, have such a wonderful family system at home, able to take care of the families and allow us to go and do this. So to my wife, Heather... You know, thank you so much for allowing me to do this because this season has just been amazing. And uh, I'm so blessed to have the opportunity for one, have the wife at home to take care of the family and, you know, enjoy this ride that we're on right now. And God, I hope it continues because I've never experienced it before in my career. And I'm just so blessed and honored to be a part of it. I can't even take it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now, Kyle. Now, Kyle. Can I just go to Victory Lane once this year, bro? <laughs> uh, I mean, if you want, you can just put on a blue hat and come join us. You already know I wear a blue hat. That's not nice. <laughs> I hope we do it more, my friend. I'm just – Chris, you know, you've been doing this a long time. Marshall's been doing this a long time, too. I personally have never had this kind of success in one season, let alone just, you know, three wins, four wins, but just every weekend, weekend and week out. You know, everybody hitting their marks perfectly. Our driver finishing in the top, you know, half of the field at every stinking race, qualifying so well. I've never seen that before in my own eyes. That that's just it's amazing. I'm I'm doing some hard numbers right here, thinking in my head. If you get one more win this year, you'll have in one season tied the amount of races I've won in IndyCar as a spotter. I, I've been lucky to be with some, some great people over the years, and I've never won more than three races in a season, let alone three in a row. And like Marshall said, I mean, 
you know, you always want to look back and, you know, oh, we could have won Indy. We could have did this. It would have been really nice to actually have a chance to see if we could have competed for that win. Yeah. Like, honestly, because, oh, I yeah. mean, honestly, we had the car. We had, the, you know, the crew. We had the strategy. We had everything. But, you know, it's India. That's what happens. But uh, What you didn't have is uh, bowling bumpers around your pit box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that one we just kind of leave behind us, you know, so. What uh, what time did you make it back to Chicago last night, pal? Uh, a little after 1030. Not bad. Got to get home and wake up with the kids and the wife. That's cool. No, I, um, I, I actually had to go to work, and my wife and kids were out of town. So I didn't get to see oh. them until I got out of work this afternoon. Which well, that's not very patriotic. Which is great. Wheeler, we have uh, we have some stars of the NBC slash uh, USA Network broadcast from yesterday at Mid Ohio. We have uh, the Power Prude couple known as Jeremiah. Uh, that would be uh, Jeremiah Morrill, Sarah Morrill. Look at this, Sarahmiah. Better known uh, folks who were featured at the end of the broadcast there uh, on the podium, part of I think the uh, IndyCar Nation or our Nation of Islam, I forget whatever it is. But um, we got some great friends here, and of course, let's keep talking about Mid Ohio. Let's talk about the Chicago Street Race, which was it's the first NASCAR race, and I say this in all honesty. It might be the first NASCAR race I have ever watched from start to finish my entire life. And I thought it was amazing. Whoa. The TV numbers that came out of it were staggering. Um, I mean, just phenomenal stuff this past weekend. And you got to be the featured uh, guest uh, among Day there with uh, Cassie and Craig, and everybody, and we even inducted our second IndyCar driver member of the Day, who gave everybody a shout-out during his post-race interview. What a crazy weekend. Yeah, crazy weekend doesn't really seem to summarize it enough. Um, we'll hit on Chicago here, just because I mean, all you had to do was follow my Twitter last night to realize how passionate I am about the sport of racing, of motor racing, but there was pluses and minuses, right, as we as we have in life, and like, I didn't understand I hate how in auto racing we let the pit cycle go through when there's a yellow coming, right? It's kind of like if homies crashed, if cars stopped, we go yellow. If you win on the strategy, you win. If you lose, you lose. It is what it is. I hate when they're like, ah, you know, he's in an okay place over here. Or, or, you know, she's over here doing that. It's okay. We're going to let the cycle kind of run through and give everybody a chance, and then we're going to go yellow. I hate that. What I hate more is when you've got four strategies going on, and race control says, okay, we're going to just say we're going to go to this many laps. Right, like you're almost better off putting it on a timer, right? Like we've done in the past with broadcast windows. Like, okay, we've now gone to a timed race because what it did yesterday in this in this NASCAR race was literally penalize everybody who had done a good job of staying out of trouble and running their race and being there on speed 
and it gave a whole bunch of guys that didn't belong at the front of the field an opportunity. Okay. Another thing I don't understand about this, this what was going on yesterday. NASCAR rewards victories. Victories get you in the playoffs. It's literally winner. Winner, it doesn't matter. Right? And we've seen that, that attitude used in the past with different drivers doing other things, right? Kyle Larson going to run the Knoxville Nationals. Um, he didn't really care because he was already locked into the playoffs. Right? So he, he missed the practice or did something like that. Well, why are we crashing for like 23rd with two laps to go? Yeah, uh, how's this? I hear I hear what you're saying. I don't disagree with anything you've said from a purist's racing perspective. But in this instance, brother, I don't think that perspective is the right one to apply to what took place yesterday in Chicago. This, to me, had nothing to do with appeasing traditional hardcore racing fans. It was a 1,000% exploration into brand new territory in racing to make racing fans where they have not previously existed. We know anecdotally from what they said during the broadcast that some crazy number, 70%, 80% of the people there were first-time fans, never been to a race, never been to NASCAR. It was all brand new to them. And uh, they were truly six, seven people deep wherever there was, you know, standing room to watch. Um, all the minutia of the race being shortened to this amount and strategies being this, that, and the other, just saying the folks who packed the place in really bad weather and all these other things probably don't know about any of it or care about any of it and were just thrilled at what they saw. I read a, a post-race column uh, that my racer colleague Mark Glendening wrote. Mark was there. And so Mark's a lifelong guy uh, who's never covered NASCAR, from Australia, grew up covering the V8 series, knows Shane Van Gisbergen and the rest very well, but then moved to the UK, covered Formula One, came over here, covered IndyCar, for the most part, V8s, F1, and IndyCar. That has been Glenn Denning's life of motor racing journalism coverage experience. Not saying this was his first ever NASCAR race, but this was a really brand new, eyes wide open thing for him. And reading his column, he was out and among the people and trying to get a feel for what the experience was like there. And everything he wrote spoke to the fact that no, you know, he, he wrote there are more people there wearing their Taylor Swift concert T-shirts or something repping the city of Chicago than T-shirts, you know, for Bubba or Chase Elliott or whomever. And at least from his experience, it was truly this thing where folks who knew nothing about racing were seeing it for the first time, thanks to NASCAR and the city of Chicago, were blown away by the experience. So for me, I look at this as a we as racing, whether you love or hate NASCAR, we as racing won yesterday because at least from this one first event there, 
there were seemingly a lot of new fans made, and there were a ton of people who tuned in to watch, and I would think saw a pretty compelling and interesting race. So I totally hear what you're saying. For those of us who live this stuff, there are some things that were really wonky, and we'd be livid if this was an IndyCar race. I just look at it and go, if we're trying to make motor racing more popular, which in theory will help every other series here in, in the country, I come out of Chicago going, please, let's go back and do some more. And IndyCar, please, be as inventive. Think outside the box. IndyCar's stuck with inside the box thinking, hey, we might go back to Milwaukee. Great. I love Milwaukee. We all love Milwaukee. It's not going to move the needle one bit. The needle moved yesterday. And man, just I think the more racing series have needle movement in mind with their decisions instead of safe stuff like going back to places. Um, yeah, more Chicago's. That's uh, that's what we need. And Cassie, by the way, yeah. you've been super patient. Uh, please unmute yourself, our dear friend, and and speak your truth. Hi, guys. So I have nothing to say about the NASCAR race because, honestly, I was asleep by 8 p.m. last night. So I absolutely cannot chime in on that. But I do have two things that I wanted to mention. And you kind of alluded to this, Marshall. We had... Um, a really great group hanging out from the Prue Day at Mid-Ohio all weekend, including our newest driver member, David Malukas. Spent a lot of time with everyone, and it was just another like IndyCar magical weekend of all these quote-unquote strangers coming together, loving this thing, and bonding over that, and then just becoming friends that are so much deeper than just being about racing. So that was a really delightful thing to happen all weekend. And like, I love racing. I love watching the cars. I love everything about it, but it's that collection of people and finding your people that is just so magical. And I am so grateful for everyone here and everyone that shows up at races and that interacts on Twitter or discord or wherever. And it's just such a wonderful community and it gets me all mushy. And I just wanted to mention that first. Secondly, I wanted to talk about Connor Daly and his performance and what we think about it. And do we think it moved the needle on him getting a ride at all? And yeah, I wanted to hear everyone's thoughts. Christopher Wheeler, please. Uh, you take that one first, at least. And sure. Cassie, uh, you do realize that you're one of the biggest hearts that makes this whole community happen. So uh, I know that you enjoy what it gives you, but uh, good Lord, uh, you power this community pretty heavily along with uh, some of our other friends here too. Um, I'm just, I'm trying to think of the right words here. So it is super hard. I don't care how recent you've been in an IndyCar, how long you've been out of an IndyCar. It's super hard to rock up, get a 30-minute warm-up in shit conditions in a car that you don't haven't been in with a team you've never worked with and do much different than what Connor Daly did. I thought he did a fine job. Um, you could see the whole first half of the race, he was just kind of hanging out. And he was hanging out, and they were working on the balance, and they were working on his comfort, and he was in the middle. And um, I thought he did a good job. I'll be honest, man. <laughs> the last 10 laps, right? So we get through the, 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 50, the issue with the 55, 
We're watching that happen. The 10 car gets clean air again, starts running away again, and starts reeling in the 20 and the 60. And I look at Lee, who spots for the 10 car. And I'm like, hey, watch these. And he's like, what? We'll be fine. We'll go buy them. It's no big deal. And I said, no, you're forgetting Connor's trying to run down the 20 right now. I said, I, it looks like the 20's in a fuel save. And it looks like the 60 is on the, on the sauce. So just keep your eyes up because I don't know what's going to happen here if Connor gets to him. Not that Connor's going to intentionally take him out. Not that Connor's like driving with his elbows out saying, you know, you cost me my job. But if Connor gets an opportunity, he's going to go by. And he's like, oh, good thinking. And then all of a sudden, about three to go, when Connor probably was at his closest, it looks like Hunter Ray got the, got the green light to go back on the fuel numbers and go for it. And he kind of stretched out a little bit. But, um, man, kudos to him. You know, it's, it's terrible for, for Meyer Shank having to do that. I went through it in 21 with Felix at Detroit when we destroyed a car. Um, how to put in a driver. Now, that was a bit different for multiple reasons. One, Oliver Askew was in the car the year before. You know, two, I, I being, you know, his manager, I already had his seat at the track. So we didn't have to wait on it to show up from anywhere. We had his measurements. Um, but even then, you know, um, Oliver getting in that car, a team that he'd been with for three quarters of a season the year before, you know, took him the first half of that race to find his rhythm and once he did unfortunately there was an issue that ended the race but um it massively difficult and big kudos to connor does it move the needle i don't know does it does it does anybody jump out and say man look what he did filling in for pagano i don't know but he didn't do anything wrong so i think that's positive i think cassie this was a bit of a palate cleanser for connor with the paddock it's not as if he did anything excessively wrong while at Ed Carpenter Racing. It was just very clear that things were not working. And not for one race or two races, but for a year and a half almost. And I think of such things in the same exact way I do a relationship between people, a marriage. You go, well, whatever it might be, if a rela- if a marriage fails, it is rarely 100% responsibility on one party. I'd look at the decision that was made here, and there's a lot of factors that go into this. You think about where the team is at, it's way far behind where they want to be. I know it's a bit of an obvious overstatement, but every team goes into every season with high hopes and expectations. And they have varying levels of confidence that all the work they've done during the offseason will pay off. All the engineering R&D efforts and so on and so forth are going to help lead them forward. The cars are going to be faster. We're going to go do great stuff. And about 50% of the field absolutely fails, right? I mean, it, it happens every year. And again, I don't want to say every team goes in with confidence. Some you know, some know that, yeah, all right, we're, we're going to be okay to start, but we're going to fall off pretty quickly. But you know, we're looking at Ray Hall, Letterman Lanigan, 
We're looking at Meyer Shank. We're looking at Ed Carpenter Racing. Uh, there's yet another big rebuild and restart by AJ Floyd Racing, and they've had some good races. They've also completely uh, nosedived some others, and I'm probably forgetting one or two. Dale Coin Racing as well, right? They've had to go through yet another big engineering change, and they've had some good races, but they've also had some terrible races. So again, you get about half the teams that, to varying degrees, don't live up to what they expected the season to be. Well, Ed Carpenter Racing did not have a fabulous 2022. Connor's first season full-time there. Renus VK was by no means magical last year as well. And so it speaks to the organization needing to improve. They did things they thought would make them better, came back in 2023 and found, wasn't there. And the decision they made also speaks to Renus a little bit. Right? What were they ultimately looking to do by parting ways with Connor and bringing in Ryan Hunter Ray? Uh, it wasn't about, hey, we want to see the 20 car finish better just for the sake of short term results being improved. It was, we need to find a better direction. We are lost. We have no real clue how to get out of this. And we need to bring in somebody who we believe can help us to chart that path out of the wilderness. So do you put all that on Connor? Absolutely not. Why? Connor is a teammate. And again, I'm not trying to speak ill of Renus, but this is a two-party problem. Uh, I should say three. This is Ed Carpenter Racing looking and seeing Renus VK, who's been the top performer between the two, not by a massive amount, but uh, by the results. We know that Renus has tended to run a little bit better than Connor, but this was Ed Carpenter racing, realizing we're lost. We are unable to find a direction with Renus or Connor. And of the two, Connor is the one that we feel is more expendable. Again, I'm not saying, I'm not making any judgments as to whether that's right or wrong, but clearly that's the call they made. And so, Hunter Ray, for those who are big Connor Daly fans, became the instant enemy. And that's why yesterday, I know that there had to be some smiles. And I also smiled a bit too, going, hey, look, you know, what's Connor doing to finish the race? Finishing less than a second behind the guy in his former car. Right? You go, well, that has to feel good. And he's, you know, going by the uh, the one remaining team leader, his new temporary teammate, and Elio Castro Neves. So the reason he's not there was not specific to him being deficient in any one area. The reason for the change makes sense. How they arrived at Connor, you can kind of understand because Renus has been doing a little bit better. Okay, got all that. But the thing that I loved about yesterday is I think it was, again, a bit of a palate cleanser. This kid can drive. Let's not forget, he just did something really impressive. And maybe the biggest thing of all, no mistakes, right? A lot of folks who are fully warm, been racing all season, had every practice session this weekend, took the noses off their car, smashed suspensions, spun each other, ran off, went into the grass, did stupid stuff, etc., etc. 
Connor had every excuse to make 15 kinds of mistakes, made zero, no body work to replace, no issues whatsoever, passed his veteran teammate, nearly chased down the guy who replaced him, and went forward, nothing but forward. Uh, massive respect to him. Last quick thing just to close on the primary item here. Would he get the call if at Toronto someone gets food poisoning Thursday night, eats you know the wrong gas station sushi, or doesn't microwave their taquitos long enough? Um, absolutely, provided he's there. Do I think uh, Hunko's hauling or racing if they need a driver to replace somebody or pick another midfieldish type team is searching for a full-time person next year that they want to pay. I don't know if mid Ohio did enough to sway things in that direction, but I'm just happy that Connor felt great and felt positive and happy in a race car. I spoke to him about an hour after the race yesterday when he was, he was driving out from the track and he just sounded fulfilled and satisfied and I've loved this kid for as long as I've known him, rooted for him as long as I've known him. And it was just great to hear him with just that energy and, and real, the self-worth, right? Chris, you can speak to this. And Kyle, you can speak to this. Our friend Mike Marini is here as well. Mike can certainly speak to this managing and looking after so many drivers. You do well, okay, cool, you know, wonderful, but... Not every driver is brimming with confidence or feels like they're just getting those dreams that they use to propel themselves satisfied. Connor wasn't exactly like, hey, I finished P20 at Mid-Ohio. Life's never going to be better. But he did for the first time in a long time after a really trying year and a half that ended badly. That guy was able to drive away from Mid-Ohio with a big smile and feeling those same vibes from when he was a kid and dreamt of getting to IndyCar. Like, just saying, if this is the last time he drives an IndyCar, which, Lord, I hope it isn't, at least he's going to be able to have a positive memory of what it was like when things were really good and he could just be free and drive with no worries. Like, that is the best feeling. And when you have a driver who gets out of the car and you see that in their eyes, uh, boy, it's a really beautiful thing. You know, Marshall, I, I got to give another, I was reading through some things about the race today. The, the, the two stop guys that came from the back and moved forward. And there was a few of them, um, was cool. Right, like I know we did it. I think what, what eighteen to nine, something like that. Good day, good points for rookie of the year stuff with Marcus. That's great. Everything was good. But it was absolutely electrically electrically fun to watch Pato in the five car. Never once think about fuel and go for the three stop. Um, there was a there was a couple times that he was maybe three back into down into turn four and it was like he's coming does he have enough and he just sent it never thought twice about it um i think he went on a six laps uh stint there where he literally passed a car lap for six laps into four and the fans were on their feet they they didn't matter what t-shirt they were wearing 
they were just super excited that every time this kid this kid came by, he was he was doing something. And uh, so hats off to him. That was a that was a pretty impressive drive. Absolutely. Uh, hey, our pal Steve Bonick, um, aka he, the my world's favorite beer pimp, um, is here. So why don't you unmute yourself and. The floor is yours, Steve. Cool. Thanks, guys. Hey, uh, Will, you're going to be in Toronto, right? Yeah, actually, not only am I going to be in Toronto, the land of Mike Marini, I'm going to Mossport on Thursday, and I will be staying in Canada the entire week. Nice. Well, we're kind of, we're coming up Sunday. Hey, you want to go to the Blue Jays game on Friday night? Let's do it. <laughs> He's thinking. Oh, seriously? Yeah, I just I'm, I don't know what our run okay. schedule is, but it can't be that bad. Plus, I'm not like I hang out and do anything okay. anyway. Well, yeah, the game's at seven o'clock, so I mean it's at night. Yeah, so let's good. go, a little Vlad Junior action. All right, all right they, there hey. you go. All right, I'll get you a ticket. There man. might be some truth to that. Who do they play? Yeah, uh, they play the Diamondbacks. Oh, there's some mega young talent coming out of Phoenix right now. That's really cool. Um, wait a second, Sagan. Now, for those of you that don't know, in professional motorsports, when you're on a team, there's an email that goes out before each event. Some teams do calls on these events. Some teams just send out the document. But in these documents and on these calls, they have what they call the load list. This is a list designed by usually the transportation director of the race team. And it has who's responsible for what piece or what section of racing or of our equipment and the procedure of which it gets loaded. I don't, I'm not even on the list. I don't have a job. So I can't get in trouble for just bailing at the end of the day when I'm not on the official list. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. You know, we're just going to leave the phrase load list all alone here. Um, Cam and Eddie, unmute yourself. Get this. Not that like the show was ever on the, on the tracks, but at least get us back on a little bit here. You got it, my brothers. Um, so I just finished. I'm going to hit a couple things here real quick. Uh, just finished three weeks of racing. Road America, Watkins Glen, Mid-Ohio. There's a lot of people that are interested in this stuff. And it seems like it just keeps on growing and keeps on growing. And it's noticeable. Watkins was packed. Road America had never been there, but it was absolutely packed. Mid Ohio, never been there. I mean, it was. I, Honda had the place papered a little bit, but it was packed. Um, King left there last night. Drove the six and a half hours back, just completely exhausted. If anybody ever gives you guys any crap about being tired after a three, four, five week run, like <laughs> send them to me because I'll handle them. Um, and then. My second thing is every time I was around Wheeler, I kept getting glitter on my hands, and I don't know why. Oh, uh, so I need we need stories told here, Wheeler. Here's the situation, folks. I hate glitter. I think glitter is the death. <laughs> no, should we talk about your dancing career? Yes. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I hate glitter. I hate glitter, and I hate. If there's glitter. somebody who smells and like so- vanilla on the spotter stand and is covered in glitter. <laughs> you know, it's clear. clear cocoa heels, is first off clear heels. My Wheeler. lotion is cocoa. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, but Mamba G-Force and old Cam Manetti got me a birthday card. Yeah, didn't tell them the whole story. I didn't get it in, in – uh, they forgot to give it to me in St. Pete. No. Yes. You avoided us for three months on it. Cam <laughs> never brought it to anything in the month of May. 
So at Road America, they're bringing me this birthday card. And I said, cool, open it later. And they kind of freaked out. And I was like, ah, okay. So the next day, I shook the card. And I could, I could literally feel and hear the glitter. <laughs> it had to have been a half a pound of glitter in this envelope. <laughs> so I went to a um, trash can out in front of the transporter and carefully peeled back one edge of the card envelope, put my fingers on the card and shook the glitter out of the thing before then taking the card out, reading it. It was a lovely card with a, an amazing gift in it. And I shook as much glitter off as I could there. Okay. Now the problem here is I put the card and the present in my backpack in a specific spot. Well, I was looking for, of all things, my heartburn medicine at the hotel at Mid-Ohio, <laughs> thinking I know I packed it, and sure enough, I couldn't find it. And after I pulled my hand out of that compartment, I thought, oh, you're such an idiot. And there are still traces of glitter. I was on the golf course today, and I there was a piece of glitter on my wallet. And I was like, Why? Why? The glitter is the dumbest thing ever invented. The longest <laughs> cover story ever. Completely. Come on there, uh, Wheeler. Marshall. I'm hey, not, and, I'm... And, and Cam and Eddie, if, you're, if you want to call yourself a real road trip warrior and you think that you've got a good hot streak coming, there's no reason you're not in Mossport this weekend. It's not that Oh, hard. my God. Here we go. <laughs> Here's the photo. I'm, I'm looking at a photo of you covered in glitter, kind of, sort of, spark. You're already our sparkle pony of the show, Wheeler. But, yeah, this is uh, Cassie. Yeah, you got the you got the evidence here. Uh, Cam and Eddie, you also need to explain to folks that after indulging my love of only available in Canada uh, ketchup-flavored Lay's potato chips – uh, you didn't try those, but you did try another version of ketchup potato chips and confided that uh, you're now on the uh, on the train and loving loving them. Oh man, they were great. I've never, I, I'm not a ketchup guy, but I'm like you know I, I'm heavily intoxicated all weekend. I and like how you limit that to all weekend, but yeah, go ahead. And uh, this is after like a 90 minute, like I'm surfing the back of a golf cart with one of our friends in this chat driving and they're singing, you know, nothing but 90s, her and my fiance, Heather, they're, they're singing along to like 90s Canadian pop and we're looking just for showers to locate them. Uh, so we get back and out come the, uh, you know, the Canadian snacks because Cass's husband is uh, Canadian. And I'm like, I've never tried these things. They scare the hell out of me. Like, all right, I'm just going to do it. And, man, they're good. Um, I'm glad you joined it. And, Sagan, i uh, got to tell you here, just, just to further stress the relationship, uh, tomorrow, 4th of July, we have, uh, we have hot dogs uh, that will be consumed. And I am staring at a brand-new, fresh, unopened bottle, 64 ounces, Heinz tomato ketchup. Going on every single hot dog just to piss off uh, folk from Chicago. You need to go to church, my friend. <laughs> well, speak speaking, of, speaking of ketchup being the Lord, the Lord sauce, um, I recently, and by recent, I mean I'm 37 years old, and I was like 34 when I realized that they actually sold hot dog buns that were not like side cut, but you loaded them from the top. Oh, they're the best. Game changer, and I'm with you, Marshall. Heinz ketchup and a little dab of mustard is all you need on a hot dog. That's the American way. 
It is not. Says <laughs> <laughs> the guy who's claiming food specialties from a city who thinks their pizza should be as thick as a rack of ribs. Or no, that's not even a meatloaf. That is not Chicago-style pizza. That's some marketing crap that got out of control. Oh, Lord. Hey, I got a crazy idea. Uh, you guys, Team thin you guys want to talk about racing, too? We can do that a little bit while we're here. Um, I'm so hungry, though, right now, Marshall. I, I almost haven't eaten today, so I'm right there with you. Uh, hey, we got some more friends who have requested to speak. Uh, Snoop Wheelie Wheel, why don't you invite a few more, and let's talk a little bit more about racing, and then uh, let everyone uh, go. Let the congregation go and uh, prepare for their 4th of July festivities. What the? Well, Alex is the first one in that got approved there. So, Alex, welcome. It's not just me tonight. It's not just me. It's Kaylin and Ryan, too. Hi. It's all three of us. Hi. Oh, wow. It sounds like a migraine. It, it is. <laughs> that's yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah, that's right. Sure. What are you doing? Shots fired. Alex is the nicest person ever in the history of, the, of Earth. The, Oh, no, 100%. I know that's not directed at me. That's directed at Kaylin. Wow. <laughs> it's directed at the fact that every time their little posse rolled around this weekend and came by, the decibels in the <laughs> proximity I was in went up to a point that I didn't even know there was cars on track. Hey, no volume control. That's I've never met like a group it. of individuals who can laugh, giggle, and speak words at the same time. As well as them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're right. That's true. You're right. You're 100% right. But we are out here. We're vibing. So, I'm glad you all had so a what, good weekend. Uh, well, did you have a good weekend? Hell, weekend. yeah, we yes, had a great we weekend. We to, we you know, I got to say, Alex, when you, when you first started talking on, on our lovely show here, you were very shy, kind of, you know... Timid to, to 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 really speak. Now out. they now and they to, roll up and boss up Wheeler. They take this. Oh, yeah. Someone's got to fight back. Someone has to. Fight to back. see you popping out into this personality with all this energy and this vibe now, like mega job, kid. Love you, Wheeler. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that your experience with the the racing family and the Prude group in life has taught you more about life than college ever will. You were 100% right. Yeah, like, I've been here that's, for about yeah. a month, and uh, I've learned probably more from school than I ever will. Or more, for, more from, from this, this than I ever would from school. school. There you go. Yeah, there I, we go. I've been here a weekend, and uh, greatest weekend of my life. So, yeah. We've been more. vibing, and it's because of you guys. And that's for everybody. Prude, Wheeler, Marshall, everybody. Like, y'all mean the what? literal world to us. Shout out to everyone that fed me snacks this weekend. That's so appreciated. How many how many bracelets and necklaces were uh, were manufactured? Uh, oh my track god! This weekend? Uh, just <laughs> at the track because or before or total? No, just at the track. Uh, you made a bunch in my car. I did, yeah. yeah before true. my car, like before your broke. car died. Um, I think I made like. Nine or ten at the track because I was putting together all the Prude ones, and then I had to come up with um, a couple. I had to come up with a couple more of the Malukas ones so I could give it to his parents. How do I not and have one? Well, Marshall, I'm getting there. No, 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 Marshall, I'm gonna get there. So I'm gonna, uh, I'm just gonna be honest it's, with you guys. It's half I'm in my, my feels damn right name now. on them, and I don't even have one. I got to do better. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> suck. I they thought, clearly suck. I thought it was all because everybody likes Scott Pruitt. I didn't know it was because of you. 
<laughs> anyway, so I'm going to tell you that why you don't have a bracelet, buddy. The Shots same reason. Fired. The same reason I don't have a bracelet. As if it's not bad enough when you know you're at the store and all you want is to buy that two XL T-shirt and they're sold out, or when you go over here and you your friends walk through something very easily and you're gonna like suck it in and stand up straight and wiggle at an angle, right? But when Alex tries to come bring you a bracelet, it fits over three fingers on your hand. That's why I don't have one. That's why you don't have one. Because they haven't made them for our size of hands. And I mean, hands. look. Uh, I'm sorry I have the wrist size of a toddler. I'm working on getting make, I'm working on putting together better I've sex. Been accused, <laughs> I've been accused of many things, Wheeler. Having fat wrists. Uh, this is a first. Dude, Ray Charles would have judged us like crazy. Oh, man. We're falling apart here. Literally, Alex, Alex handed me a bracelet. Here. I hope this fits was her words. Pinky, ring, middle finger, perfect fit. If we wore if we wore bracelets on our on our fingers, I was I was locked in. I was styling. But I'll put I've got the rest of them. I have to make sure that I have to like put the rest of the sets together because I lost two of them Uh-oh. that I had put together like specifically. So I need to find those, and then I will have them for both of you all in much bigger sizes to perfectly fit around girls by Brickyard, because that's the next one I'll be at. Bracelet size inclusivity talks were not something that I had on my <laughs> Yeah, Cassie, I think, I think we need a new button here, because clearly uh, there is some wrist size discrimination going on in the Day, and this must be addressed immediately with uh, some buttons to get, get corrective behavior going on. Can I also mention... That coming out of mid-Ohio, I have come up with the friendship bracelet uh, approach to driver behavior for the very first time. And it is truly because of the Prude. Uh, Alyssa, she's made many Prude bracelets and obviously uh, you, Alex, and such. So there are many Prude bracelets and just cool bracelets being made by the group. And so it was because of y'all. This is how I am looking at and appraising Benjamin Peterson, uh, because he was certainly a huge topic of conversation among drivers during the race, after the race, and so on. And yeah, the question of leaving mid-Ohio, how many friendship bracelets would the 26 other IndyCar drivers give Benjamin Peterson? This is like a new metric I'm going to use to track and phrase uh, bad on-track behavior or kind of dickish behavior. And I love Benjamin, and I thoroughly appreciated the first half of a lap where he put up a strong fight against race leader Alex Pillow. And it was like, good kid, you shouldn't lay down. You should definitely let him know that you're just not a doormat. And then it kind of turned into... What exactly are we trying to do here? And then you start hearing from all the other drivers during the race and after who said, I have no idea what the kid was trying to do, but it certainly did not involve earning our respect or gaining any favors in the future. So, yeah, thanks to y'all, I now look at such things and will always look at such things after race as to how many friendship bracelets a driver would be given for their on-track behavior. And for uh, young Benjamin Peterson, I feel like the number is zero. 
Uh, Wheeler, what do you think? I don't think it would have been zero, but I would say the top 11 drivers in the finishing order would have all removed their friendship bracelet immediately. I understood it the first time he chopped the 10 into four and then ran them side by side through five and chopped them into six. But the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, seventh, and eighth time on the leader, again, Maybe there's a fraction there of I'm fighting, I'm waiting for a yell, I'm on the lead lap. But when the leaders, the leader goes all by himself from a 15-second lead to a four-second lead because of one car, it makes you look at it. Where I don't understand it is when it's second place, third place, fourth place, fifth place. Here's one. We were ninth place. We had gotten around Rossi. Pato had gotten around Benjamin. And on the fourth attempt... Benjamin got to turn four, went to get on the brakes, moved driver's right to, def- to block to the bottom. That's fine. It wasn't technically a block at that point because Marcus hadn't moved. And three-quarters of the way through the braking zone, as Marcus is on the out- coming up the outside, decides to move left. That's when I just don't really understand any single ounce of logic. And then I-, I love Benjamin Peterson. He's a great kid. I-, I truly enjoy spending time with him, love playing golf with him going to dinners, great kid, awesome family. But there's nothing he will ever be able to tell me that will make me understand what in the world he was doing in that moment. Here's the other thing, too, which you know and see, Chris. So what's the what's the knock-on effect, right? It was genuinely bad behavior at Mid-Ohio, right? Behavior that defied logic. You've already, you've now been lapped. So... The leader, who, as you mentioned, lost a lot of gap, pace, everything else, got by you. You're now officially no longer on the lead lap. You were, again, you're already at the back of the field, but now you're officially kind of your day's done. But then let's put up a fight for the person in second trying to get past me in third. As you mentioned, there's a, a part where the logic absolutely fails. You go, so what's the knock on effect? Is it just others might be mean to him on track? Possibly. Uh, I'm hoping, really and truly, that he goes and finds the Pelos and everybody else's and says, hey, look, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what happened. I lost my mind. I apologize. I'm never going to stop fighting uh, if there's a reason to fight. But, yeah, I took it too far. I think folks go, okay, kid, got it. Give you a pass. Without that, though, how does this affect him in the future? Really simple. So he's having a bad day at Toronto. And we know that marbles are a real problem there. It becomes a single groove race very quickly. There are certain places where you can make passes and hang people out to dry and force them onto the marbles, run them wide a little bit, and very likely see them uh, slither and slide lose grip, and find the wall. Hey, we're going to head to Iowa again. Boy, uh, there's some places to pass and ways to pass where you can either make the easy one, running out of two to get by him, or you can wait for the entry of three and dive down the inside and absolutely ruin his day and make him go sliding up the track potentially or, 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 
there are artful ways of retribution being delivered here, Chris. And tell folks a, a little bit about this because you see it honestly better I'm, than I'm, anyone. I'm going to be honest. There are ways of doing this, is- this where you can genuinely ruin people's races, if not seasons, if they want to carry that retribution as far as possible. This is going to be handled in what I call the Bo Barfield effect. Where the officials aren't going to do anything. And if they do, I know what it is they're going to try and do if they do anything. And it's an absolute useless useless thing. And doesn't even need to be talked about. This is the Bo Barfield effect. Where, hey man, if you want to be a dick to somebody, don't complain when they're a dick back. And... Every single one of those drivers that was affected by it yesterday, Mid-Ohio, will at some point do something that is going to frustrate, screw over, or scare the living daylights out of Benjamin Peterson. Is it the right thing? Is it right and wrong? Who knows? Doesn't matter. But I can tell you, it might be the smallest of things. It, it might be the outlap in a qualifying group. Or maybe somebody doesn't launch as they're supposed to. And they come out behind Benjamin. And they decide to be like Karina's VK and throw it up the inside on their on the outlap. And totally screw a guy out of his placing. Because that's what Renus does every session. It could be something like you said at Iowa. Right? Where Benjamin is on the fresher tires and they're still on the older tires. And Benjamin's trying to come through to make up track position. And they simply enter on the, they enter up top and, and go to the bottom. Give Benjamin that moment where he's got to check himself up and he loses that momentum. Now the tires are shot. What I guarantee it will not happen is that Benjamin Peterson is on the run of his season. And one of those people that was in the top 10, top 11 yesterday is having a bad day like Benjamin was having. And he approaches them. (laughs) They're not going to give up at all. And it's kind of an unfair matchup because every single one of those people has a ton more experience driving these race cars than he does. And I, I think the the big takeaway here, and I'm not trying to specifically go hard at Benjamin, he's not the first, nor will he be the last rookie or similar to kind of overstep bounds. It's the same thing why Scott Dixon was so mad at Pato from Long Beach, right? Look, <laughs> yep. anybody, any of any dri- any quality driver can jam that car down the inside at the very last second in a tight corner and take the corner while placing the other driver at pretty significant risk. They can all do that to each other. It doesn't take extraordinary. You don't have to be a once in a generation talent to be able to do that. That's what pissed off Dixon. And again, Pato is as aggressive as they come. That's why we love him, right? This kid does nothing but attack. And I'm overstating the obvious here, but Wheeler and I love Pato more than, you know, almost anybody. Dixon's whole point, though, was completely valid. It wasn't the old guy being mad that he's being shown up by the younger driver and he's no longer capable of racing that hard. Of course he is. It was an etiquette thing of like, hey, there's an aspect of taking care of each other. And if you are going to get by me, do it. But don't do it in a way where there's a 50-50 or greater percent chance that I'm going to end up in the wall 
because of the timing and how you chose to do this pass. Take care of me. I'll take care of you. We'll have good finishes, have good seasons. Everybody can do this to one another. Everybody can do what Benjamin did. It's just the fact that you either opt in to be a member of this group that takes care of each other or not. And so that's why I hope Benjamin, whether it's a text or a call or just walking up to whomever that was aggrieved uh, at Toronto, the kid will not benefit from just being silent and doing nothing. Everyone else can screw him repeatedly going forward. It's whether he kind of acknowledges my bad. I want to opt back into the family before y'all boot me from the family here uh, so that y'all don't. Uh, have me sitting parked in fences or ruin my qualifyings or all the other things Chris mentioned. So, again, it's uh, you're part of the family or you aren't based on behavior. And, yeah, you hate to see these things happen, but hopefully he'll learn from it. Marshall, I guarantee it. Every time it practiced at Iowa, the 55 leaves its pit box, whether it's early in the session or about when people are going to do Q-Sims. Somebody pitted down pit lane that's watching will send their car in front of him. He will not get a single clean run at Iowa. I can guarantee it because that's how the game is played. But like you said, I have nothing wrong with the kid. I feel like he he was wrong, but I can also tell you he's probably not going to ever do it again. Oh, well, let's also just cl- – At least not to that. No. That – uh, that, that, that Let's level. close this thread on, on this. Benjamin's made a few mistakes this year. Of course, he's a rookie. But if this is kind of the, the worst thing we remember from his rookie year, that's a pretty good rookie year. Uh, so, Absolutely. you know, in general, um, I think this is going to be an isolated incident. And if not, there will be actions that help correct such things and make sure that they don't happen. Again, so I gotta say, I gotta say though, real quick, because we're done with that one, right? We're done. That that, is that we one are. Done? How about Zach Dean, our buddy, the rocket scientist, who's DMing me right now, saying, "Bro, I can't get my Twitter to work Hold properly on. with my audio." A rocket surgeon can't get the rocket scientist can't figure out how to work his phone. Well, first of all, you got to flip it open, Zach. That's the first thing. Then you got to pull and extend the antenna. And then if you, like, pull it in and out a lot of times, I think that's how you charge up the phone. So those are the couple of tips that I have, I think, I believe. But uh, Snoop Wheelie Wheel, um, why don't we uh, – oh, my God, Declan Brennan requested to uh, to speak. Cause we have, yeah, because we have time for Declan. We've already been rolling for an hour. We and were enjoying the show so much, and freaking Dex decides to uh, – darken this episode yet again. One of the people that I just loathe. No, I'm just kidding. I love me some Declan Brennan. Dex, um, you're one of our final speakers. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, Hi, how you doing? I'm all right. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing well. What's going on? I uh, apologies. I don't have a late note, but uh, have you spoken by any chance about the Chicago street race yet? Uh, 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 yesterday, I believe. I've completely lost track of time. A little but, bit. Uh, but, I mean, I, I generally 
genuinely seek your opinion on most things because they're either spot on or hilarious or both. Well, I I hope IndyCar looked at that track layout and uh, the width of entry and exit to corners and thought to themselves, "Oh, that's quite novel. We could do that. We could make our core. Uh, we could make things much wider. It would get it would get a lot more interesting with less yellows." I I could not get over how good the uh, the racing was and how good the driving standards were yesterday, and a lot of that was down to a track that was just the right width for racing on the streets, and it I, it, had a, it really reminded me of Adelaide, not in, in layout, but the fact that you know it had a very Australian supercar uh, you know layout vibe to it, which and I got surprise surprise. Shame Van Gisbergen Van Gisbergen thrived uh, in that environment, but first of all, I was, it's Giz Van Shanebergen, I believe, <laughs> is what they finally arrived on. They, or is it Giz Van Shanebergen? Oh, no, no they, sorry, they found, I think, at last count, seven different ways of pronouncing his name. Almost none of them correct, which was phenomenal. <laughs> Dale Junior just was. gave up on the his proper surname. Van Gisbergen and just went with Gisbergen the whole time. Um, the G- and SVG a lot. There's a lot of SVG. Yeah. Uh, I kept waiting for them to do Stevie Ray Vaughan, but we got Shane Van Gisbergen or SRV. Um, uh, the G, the Giz was often soft and it was the Gisbergen. The B was the, the, the hard print. Like, anyways, I'm just glad they got Shane. That seemed to be fairly consistent, but the thing that I love, Dex, and this is uh, something else I'd love to hear folks' thoughts on. So the move back to Detroit downtown, as folks wrote in and mentioned in the racer's mailbag, and I've had other folks mention as well, and I'm in full agreement from what I saw. I wasn't there. I was over at that uh, long race they do in France, watching it through VPN on Peacock. Yes. Um, just strictly watching what the TV cameras were able to present. It was such a sad thing because I love Detroit. I always have, but it was anonymous. It was, there was almost nothing from the visual presentation during the broadcast that said, we're in Detroit. It could have been Des Moines. It could have been Louisville. It could have been almost anywhere. And that's based on the decisions on how to present the event through where the cameras were placed, the helicopter shots, yeah. and so on. Um, and I went back and watched a little bit again and was reminded of what's the real like centerpiece of the Detroit layout? Well, GM's Renaissance Center, the Ren Center, this big, beautiful, iconic thing. And it was barely a blip on the presentational aspects of the race. And you go, wow. Yeah. Now, if you're old enough, like Dex and maybe myself, you might remember watching the old F1 races downtown Detroit. And there were a number of places and a number of vantage points that really gave you the feel that you were in Motown at least for what we had on the first try at uh, this new layout, it just felt anonymous. 
And I mention this because watching Chicago and how the very same NBC Sports production company did things, using the drones as well, but my gosh, that might have been the most amazing looking street race presentation I have ever seen. Some of the views, decks, these big buildings here and there, just wow, it looked so impressive, and it just kept coming back to me of like, how do we apply that blueprint when we go back to Detroit so folks can go, hey, here's the real flavor of what this city is like, but just overall, wow, masterful storytelling, visual storytelling with how NBC chose to portray Chicago. And what was, I thought what was really interesting was uh, they made some very, very deliberate uh, uh, choices with regards to commentary as well with the whole, you know, almost the MRN style corner by corner, uh, I thought, which I thought was really interesting, which I wouldn't have thought would have worked, but it actually Eli did. Eli Gold was amazing. Uh, other than, I just loved it. <laughs> <laughs> but I... I I'm I'm struggling to 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 uh, honestly to find fault with it. Uh, even the fact that they made the decision pretty fast as well to cut the race short, uh, which was it was obvious that we're going to have to do that. But uh, and the presentation, you know, made it pretty clear that that was going to be the case. I honestly I have I have spent the last seven eight ten years being just infuriated with the terrible decisions. Uh, NASCAR makes about its own series and how they do things, but they. I hope, I hope a light's gone on somewhere in in in, uh, in Daytona because they need to do more of that. And granted, we could end up in in a having almost a uh, a quasi uh, V eight series uh, over here with a lot of street races, but I would not have a problem with that if the layouts were as good as that. And uh, you know, and and eventually, NASCAR, like every other series, is going to realize that having ovals uh, with masses of oh, massive overcapacity in terms of seating uh, are going to be way less enticing a proposition than bringing the racing directly to people. So I could see this just being replicated hugely across particularly in mid markets as well not not necessarily in the big markets but in some of the mid markets but uh it was uh I, i'm hats off to them I'm, i've been their biggest critic for a long time but they absolutely nailed it with everything from the driving standards to the to their uh, race presentation and your absolute and the, and the track layout it was tr- it was outstanding all we need is a docu-series 100 days to chicago next year on the cw we'll, we'll cover off uh, that'd be a huge bump there. Uh, hey, Wheeler, um, as always, we say we're going to try and keep the show a little bit compact and then uh, fail. But that's cool. That's what you do. It's like kind of like a, a big uh, Elon Musk-provided uh, barbecue, uh, digital barbecue. But uh, where shall we go as we ramp down the old show? Um, well, Liz has been waiting a while. Bernard's in the queue. Peter, not sure we'll get to you tonight. Depends on how long Alyssa takes and uh, what my DoorDash situation is looking like when she's done. What did you DoorDash? I'll tell you in a minute. You don't know, or you're just waiting to see if you get what you ordered? 
I'm still waiting on them to confirm my order that I just made before you mentioned my name. Uh, Is that my cue to speak? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good boy. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Um, congratulations, Sagan, again. And also, um, Marshall, I do have a bracelet for you. I tried to give it to you at Road America, but didn't have the right one. So I do owe you a bracelet. Wheeler, I'm pretty sure I gave you one. Did I not? Yeah, I do have it. I still have it. It's in my backpack, actually. Okay, so yeah. So the fact that you don't have a bracelet is bullshit. <laughs> I wasn't talking about your bracelets, if you would have been okay. listening. I thought you were just talking about a Prude bracelet in general. I was no, listening. It was, a, it was an Alex-specific bracelet. Okay, okay. Anyway, Declan, thank you for bringing up the Chicago race, because that was also... This will probably be the one and only time you ever hear me bring up NASCAR, especially in a positive light um but also the backdrop for the chicago race was outstanding because chicago is the most beautiful skyline you will ever see anywhere in the world me personally um i'm biased but um i think the race was outstanding i think they did an excellent job with it and specifically i wanted to comment because being from the chicago area i have a lot of friends on facebook who grew up here, who live in the city. And I found it really interesting seeing their comments. And it was specifically people who were like, I don't watch racing. I have no interest in racing. And I have been complaining and I have been so annoyed by all of this for however long they've been dealing with it downtown. But this was so cool. Like I watched the entire race. I loved this. I am the last person on earth who thought I would be watching a motor race and I can't wait to watch another one. And I just, and I mean, I can't tell you how many people I saw saying exactly that kind of thing. I think it's good, right? Marshall touched on it earlier, right? Obviously it's going to bring new people in. Um, I mean, it was, it was incredible how many people I saw saying that. And it was people you would never expect. And just like the people who, who were clearly very put out by what was going on because of their work travel or just where, like my friend Alexis, where she lives, she was daily being put out by it. But um, it, I think it's really neat because as you guys said earlier, transfers across to all forms of racing so it can only be a good thing well they say high tide raises all ships so thank you for that um so yeah steak and shake did confirm my order and i've got 11 minutes till it's here so i'm gonna skip straight to bernard peter but you are first in the queue next week i promise buddy did you get the uh, impossible steak and shake burger uh with a vegan yeah, vegan how, shake yeah how yeah, and, how do you know? Well, it's, actually, it's actually ranch ranch flavored the uh, <laughs> ice cream melt thing. Yeah, duh. yeah, Sagan, I'm gonna put ranch on my hot dogs too, just to make your beard fall off from 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 rage. Ugh, gross. Bernard, what do you got, pal? Well, gross. well, I would like to give an idea on how IndyCar can spice up their schedule and add something new. 
although it would technically not be new, I think it would kind of be going back to the roots. Peak International IndyCar Points Paying event. We lost a little bit there. I think you you were uh, lost in one of those hallways. I thought you were going to say I think, use a track layout I think based on you getting lost in the quarters. I think he said he wants the Pikes Peak Hill Climb to be a points paying event with again. IndyCar. Yes. Well, I. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that's like an an ever thought possibility. I know there's been a few people that have tried to put deals together to take an IndyCar, a modern day IndyCar up the up the mountain, but it's just not something that I see uh, ever honestly happening. I want to advocate for this, but instead of going up the mountain because it's kind of hard to fall up a mountain, I want folks to charge down the mountain because if we're going to do it, let's really do it. And no wings, take the wings off them as well. That's what I'm calling for. And Hildebrand would be the first to do, to want to do this, too. And just so you know, Marksville and I are both big fans of any sort of downhill event. That's cheese rolling. Very cheese rolling. <laughs> um, are, you, are you familiar with... You, I, I'm not making I've it up. It. British... Yes. That's the most downhill event. Well, folks, Dex, because this, you know, random is kind of our norm here. <laughs> Uh, very simply, uh, a, a hill in, I think it's in Sussex, uh, which is very, very steep and uh, not something anybody should run down. Uh, a, lo- a huge roll of cheese is rolled down a the hill. A wheel of cheese. And then everybody does. A wheel of cheese. cheese yes, exactly. Massive wheel of cheese. And then your job is to be the first to, to grab a English hold of it and not die. Chasing a wheel of cheese yes. down a hill. Now that hasn't taken off. I'm not dying. I believe that's actually up next uh, in a few minutes on the Ocho. And uh, for those who love uh, Ocho days on ESPN, that we've got one of those today leading into the 4th of July. Yeah, they, co- they covered it in uh, Obscure Sports Quarterly last, last, uh, last that's quarter. That's just simply the best. Oh. Um, hey. Did you say Gouda Sports Quarterly? Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're fired. Um, oh, hey, Bernard is, is our <laughs> traditional closer, Wheeler, but I feel like we need to uh, mix that up a little bit, and this is purely merit-based. Let me see if she is still – do we still have Caitlin here? I don't know if we do. We might have lost Caitlin, but uh, I was going to invite uh, our friend Caitlin Brown, ass-kicking tire changer on the Indy 500 winning number two Chevy driven by Joseph Newgarden to uh, say farewell, but in the absence – of Caitlin, I think we need to uh, give our man Kyle Sagan his uh, flowers, also changing a rear tire. Um, let's go Kyle Sagan to close because when you win, what is it now? 17 out of the last 18 in the current, whatever it is, um, it's not a polite number, Sagan. It, it's, it's not something where you're taking many other people's feelings into account, but uh, that's okay. Nonetheless, Sagan, um, take us home. Give us give us something to think about before Wheeler does his traditional close, but give us some wisdom, brother. You're in, a, in an amazing place where you, the team you're on is doing something we rarely see in IndyCar of just winning and winning and winning. Tell us something. What, it, what it's like. 
the word of the day, the word of the rest of the season is execute. Do everything you possibly can as best as you can and hope everything goes your way. But on a more important note, isn't it somebody's birthday this last couple of days, Mr. Pruitt? Is Mrs. Pruitt's birthday here? Yes. Can we wish Mrs. Pruitt a very happy birthday from all of her extended family? I will do exactly that. Yes, my uh, my love. I had another one of them birthdays. Um, I forget the exact number, but uh, yeah, she told me we're uh, celebrating the twenty fifth anniversary of her her something twenty uh, fifth birthday. So uh, yeah, pretty amazing. You're a lucky man, Mister Pruitt. Don't don't you know? Don't mess that up, okay? I won't. Uh, I know. Death is always just inches from being here if I mess up. So, uh, yes, staying alive. Big motivation of mine. Oh, boy. Well, MP, is it time? It, it is. You know, I feel like doing a, not a Mike, what's what's Michael Buffer's uh, brother, the UFC one, who screams, It's time! Uh, before the match starts, if if only he ended the matches by saying it's no longer time. Uh, but yeah, it is time. Um, take us home, Mr. Buffer. Well, well, friends and family here again. As always, we want to thank you for joining us on another edition of the Racing Family. The sand has finally changed, and it's all gone from the top on tonight's show. The hourglass is now in the favor of my diet. I will say this, fantastic being with everybody at Mid-Ohio over the weekend and fantastic seeing so many familiar and friendly faces, conversations, laughs, attempted bracelets, and so much more. I think it is super important um, to think back and really reflect on those times where we, we get to spend time with people that, that we enjoy spending time with. Um, it's really easy for somebody like me to sit there and people that, that work full-time in motorsports on a race weekend and say, oh, I'm too busy to do that. I'm too busy to do this. But I truly enjoy every moment I can getting to hang out with a lot of you. Um, I'm going to challenge this one. I saw this, I saw this online, and, I, and this actually is my favorite July 4th thing ever. And that is really simple. Instead of going out and buying a ton of fireworks and being an asshole in your neighborhood, Go make a donation to your local Humane Society. Go make a donation to your local food bank. Go do something positive for your community with the money instead of going and buying fireworks and being an annoyance. Um, There's a lot of people that have animals that are part of their life and just as important as a child or a best friend or a sibling to them. And you trying to be a hero with your bottle rockets and your mortar shells. Labels you, not actually that cool. I really think that's my uh, that's my motivation here tonight, Marshall. Just uh, think about the people around you when you're in your neighborhood. If you're going to light up fireworks, go do it at a designated area. That'd be cool. Also, I don't want you to burn your neighbor's house down because I've almost done that before in my youth, and that was a really scary night. Um, as always, let's reach out to those people around us. Let's reach out to the people we care about. Let's make sure they're doing okay because you never know. That one text, that one email, that one, um, the one DM slide, change change everything for them. Uh, special shout out, he's on the chat right now. He's listening. My boy Shoda 
is here. Check him out at SSRacing underscore. It's my dude Chota. He's an absolute gangster. A member of the 11 car group. Big fan of that, guys. Um, Marshall, that's it, man. Tomorrow, America's birthday. It's going to be a great day. Um, I hope you and your family get to enjoy it. You and your lovely bride and your, your children, cats. And for everybody in the chat tonight listening or that listens later, hope you get to enjoy your beautiful 4th of July as well. So, it's been an amazing time. I want to thank everybody for being here. For my esteemed co-host, Marshall Pruitt, I'm Chris Wheeler. Thank you for joining the Racing Family Show. We will see you down the road. And don't be a dick. And don't be a dick! Beep, beep, yes! Beep, beep, beep.